Hello, hello my friends, my family, my community, my tribe. Welcome to the Hippie Moms Podcast. Welcome. Do I have a treat for you today, my friends? Um, I cannot wait to dive into this podcast. Um, But first, I want to thank you for listening. And if you've been listening for a while and want to get connected a little bit more, I've got a link in the show notes um, where you can join me via email. I send a couple emails a week. I talk about different podcasts, different topics, stories, everything that is holistic uh, related and truly guided to help you on your journey to living a more healthy, happy, and holistic lifestyle. Um, it's really about creating a community of mothers and women who are on the similar journey. So if this calls to you, join me. If not, don't worry about it. Um, I just want to give it an option because I have a lot of people that want to further connect, learn a little bit more about what they can do in this lifestyle. Because if you've been listening to me for a while, or maybe this is your first podcast, it is all about the baby steps, my friends. It's all about doing the little things consistently. um, And that truly creates the big shifts. Uh, Sometimes we can feel so overwhelmed of all the things that we need to do. And you might be feeling overwhelmed in this podcast because Mira is uh, really dives into some incredible tips and strategies. Um, But I don't want you to go away feeling overwhelmed. I want you to feel empowered. So whatever you feel moving through this podcast as an aha moment or potentially as a little epiphany, pay attention write it down and just notice and that's a message to you that yes this is something you can do and just begin somewhere okay so i'm super excited to introduce mira she is such a beautiful soul i can't wait for you to um, really get to know her she is by far one of my favorite people that i've podcasted in a sense because she brings so much value to this community not to say my other guests don't at all um, but i really loved talking about this conversation because i love food i've spent so much time effort and energy researching and studying and trying to figure out what can i eat and let me tell you i still get confused okay i'm still confused there's always going to be a new diet there's always going to be a biohacker that's going to tell you how they eat and what they do things and that's just noise and distraction what we need to do is focus on what can we do now what can we bring into our home uh, that's safe and that's going to support our and our family's health all right so um, I would love to introduce you officially and formally to Mira Desi she is the ingredient guru Uh, she's also holistic nutrition professional author and popular public speaker um, and I love it. She knows that it's not just what you eat, but what what is in what you eat. This is this is a big thing that we go over. And I know you are going to learn so many simple tips and strategies that you're going to walk away from. It's going to be awesome. Um, she's been working with clients over 15 years. She's a certified holistic health practitioner, board certified, um, and she wrote the book The Pantry Principle. Highly recommend this. Now, in my journey. For the over the past seven eight years where i've really dug in to try and figure out how do i get chemicals out of my food out of the food i eat my kids eat i've read so many books i'm going to tell you this book is really all you need you can find it on amazon i actually put a link down below to make it simple for you it is not an affiliate link just something to make it convenient uh, because i believe so much in this book uh, what she offers it's a step by step guide and really just tells you what are the most important things to look for. Um, I love the simplicity of it and it's something that is 
doable and um, and that you can really use day to day. So highly recommend it. Um, also, before we move into the podcast, I want to uh, let you know about her. Uh, Mira is hosting the Prepared Pantry Online Masterclass Intensive. Um, it's four classes over two weeks. You're going to learn how to get prepared, learn the basics, how to have what you need, when you need it without waste, um, food storage and planning, um, how to only buy food your family will eat. You can learn how much to buy, when to buy it, when to use it, how to keep it. Um, week two, you're going to use what you have. So you're going to maximize your budget, stretch your meals, learn how to manage your food and leftovers to stay nourished and avoid boredom. And then class four, she does a Q&A. So I really wanted to go through that so you know exactly what it was about. Um, as a mother that constantly feeds and cooks food and does all the things, um, just planning a little bit can have such a huge impact. And um, I really believe this could be something so incredible. And here's the thing, they, she's actually doing it on a pay what you can scale. So she, she has lower prices for people because she wants to make this affordable for people. And this just like warms my heart because this is the kind of person she is. So super excited to dive into this podcast. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. So let's dive in. All right, Mira, I'm so happy to see you again. I'm so, so grateful you're coming to be a guest on our podcast. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks, Becky. I'm so glad to be here. I We totally connected right away. I was just like, who are you? Tell me what you do. And it turns out uh, Mira wrote a book called The Pantry Principle, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. But I would love to know, how did you get into this work of helping people read labels and really understand what's in their food, because that's a huge passion of mine. And I would just love to hear like, how did you get there? And you know, it's so interesting because like so many people in the holistic wellness space, it came out of my own health journey. Yeah. So I actually used to be in a completely different field. I was a database administrator for an international research firm and I got sick like really ill. I all of a sudden had no energy. I was having all kinds of health problems. I was unable to walk up a flight of stairs without having to lie down on the top and rest. I couldn't take care of my kids. Like life was not great. And I wound up getting this collection of doctors. You know, my, my joke was if there was an ist, I had a gastroenterologist, neurologist, cardiologist, like I had them all. Wow. And I wound up being diagnosed with a number of different autoimmune disorders. And as we know, autoimmune disorders do not stand alone. If you have one, chances are you have more than one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as I was going through the medical system, trying to learn how to make changes, I now know in hindsight, it was really weird. Nobody talked to me about my food. Isn't that weird? I know. They just talked to me about all these other things. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I had a lot of medication, which at the time I needed, like my my body was relying on it, but nobody was talking to me about my food. And then my dear friend, Helene Purdy, who actually has a thank you in the forward to that book, handed me a book about artificial colors. And that was the catalyst that I began to go searching for more information about what was in what I was eating. And what I eventually learned is, you know, there are a whole bunch of people who are what I call the chemical canaries. We're the ones who are highly, highly sensitive to all of these additives in our food. And 
And I will backtrack a little bit and tell you, my friends used to joke that I was the healthiest eater they knew. Like I made all of our bread, jams, jellies, pickles. We belonged to the farmer's market. We had a garden, like we did all the things, but we still had crap in our house. Mm -hmm. And as I began to change that and began to reclaim my health, I realized I had taught myself about everything I thought I could. So I went back to school. became a nutrition educator and thought I was going to go a different way, but I couldn't get away from everything they were doing to our food. Like that was just my, my nerdly fascination. And I eventually gave up trying to go in a different direction, you know, because at first I thought I wanted to work with kids that had ADD. And then I thought I wanted to work with people who had migraines or that kind of thing. And eventually what I settled on was it's all about the gut. And it's about what's in what we eat. And mm. I've just, I, I still go to the grocery store. My family won't go shopping with me. I look at the label for things I have no intention of buying. Cause it's like, Oh, what are they doing now? Isn't you it? Know? It's fascinating. And I love that you want to nerd out about this because this is like, this is just so fascinating to me. And right before we started recording, I, I said, Mira, isn't it crazy that it takes so much time and effort and hoops to jump through for us to buy food that isn't going, that isn't going to cause us harm. And one of the things that people tend to forget is the food producers are not truly in the business of making food. They're in the business of making money is the way that they do it. Mm -hmm. And they spend, I kid you not, tens of millions of dollars every year to figure out what will attract us to buy their food. What are the buzzwords? What are the colors? What are the shapes? You know, so one of the examples that I love to use with people, I don't know if you remember this, but a number of years ago, it was all about whole grains, whole grain, everything. So you look at a package and it tells you 14 whole grains or so many grams of whole grains, like all about whole grains. Well, nowadays, what's it all about? It's about protein. Uh, protein is the big buzzword. And uh, so now you're seeing all these things that have protein in them. And they put that right on the front of the package. It's called front of package labeling, because they're hoping that those buzzwords and those colors and those shapes will attract you to the point where you will just buy the package and not bother to flip it around and read what's actually in there. How, how can this happen? Like, how is it that these companies can manipulate us and sell us products that they are, they deem healthy or natural. And they use all these buzzwords, but they're not. Great question. So the first thing that's always really sad to share is the word natural means nothing. I am going to send you a really funny video. Yes. It's called the natural effect. It's not mine. It's somebody else's, but I'm going to send it to you so you can share it with everybody. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's funny, but sadly, it's true. The word natural, aside from meat, you know, in meat, it does have a little bit of a meaning, but in general, natural means nothing. And food producers use it because we respond to it. And so they can sell conventional products that have all kinds of ingredients in them at a close to organic price but it's the same as the conventional stuff. It's really terrible. And it's the same. Oh, go ahead, please. No, I was just gonna say, and how they get away with it is as long as they are following the letter of the law that says they have to disclose on the ingredient panel, they have to follow certain rules on the nutrition panel. They're not allowed to make certain health claims. As long as they follow those rules, they can pretty much do what they want. Wow. 
so manipulative. It is. And I think the other thing that's really challenging is there's a lot of confusion out there. Mm -hmm. And we wind up feeling like, I don't know what to do. And so we don't do anything. Mm -hmm. When I, so I, in, in the book, I have my seven simple rules for grocery shopping. And I encourage people start with one, just pick one, anything yes, and do that because everything that you're doing is something more than you were doing before. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the one that most people wind up picking to start with is avoiding artificial colors because they're so bad for you. And luckily in America, we're very, very fortunate. They have to disclose the name of the color and what number it is. It's very easy to identify. Mm. A lot of other com- countries, they use these things called e-numbers. So then you have to remember a list, which E-numbers are okay, which E-numbers are not okay. We can look and go, oh, blue number six, no thank you, and and drop it. And and really for our listeners, anything that's saying red, yellow, anything with numbers and colors together, those are artificial. And what, uh, what are the impacts? Like what, because that's a big thing with kids with ADHD. Like if you have kids that have any sort of, you know, hyperactivity, rule of thumb is get rid of your food coloring, your artificial colors, but why, what are they doing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, and, and one thing that I will add to that, it's not just in food. So Mm -hmm. when I work with families, if they have children who have attention related disorders and they say, Oh yeah, we got rid of all the artificial colors. You know, we're not eating anything with artificial colors. And then you turn to the kid and you go, what color is your toothpaste, honey? That's blue. (laughs) Like it's in our personal care products too. So we really need to look at everything that we're consuming. If it goes in the mouth or or on the skin, we need to watch out for it. Artificial colors are made from petrochemicals. Mm. So yes, it's a byproduct of the the oil industry. Mm -hmm. And part of the challenge is there have been numerous studies that have shown that the impact of petrochemicals overstimulates our neurotransmitters. And it can increase attention-related disorders. It can increase anxiety. And it really is very, very challenging because part of the problem is they're using an amount which is classified as something called grass, generally recognized as safe. Yeah, but what does that really mean? Because part of the challenge is so all right, you know, so many parts per million of yellow number two is supposed to be okay for you. And the answer is none of it is, but you know, it, we claim that it's okay according to our FDA rules and guidelines. Who's keeping track of how much of that you're eating? Exactly. Throughout the day, you could eat a tremendous amount of that and it adds up, but even a little bit can have an impact. And I have heard stories and granted from clients, it's considered apocryphal. It's, you know, not necessarily scientific, but they'll tell me they cleaned up everything. They cleaned up personal care products. They cleaned up everything in their house, foods, whatever kid goes over to a friend's house and has a red lollipop and comes home and is haywire. Yep. Like it doesn't take a lot, Mm -mm. but it's, there have also been studies that have shown that even people without attention related disorders can potentially have an impact from consuming an excessive amount of artificial colors. So it's better to just not use them. Mm-mm. Well, and, and, and I know a lot of my moms are probably thinking, well, it's in a lot of candy and things, but I'll tell you what, I was looking at my parents' pickle jar 
they had food coloring in pickles. They do. They do. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. It's like, why? Well, and, and the good news is because we've changed a lot of that food producers, some of them are starting to respond. Mm. So for example, many food producers are now looking at using plant-based colors. And for a long time, there was actually a lot of pushback. You'd see these ads that say, would you eat gray food? You know, they're trying to convince us because we are biologically programmed to seek out color. Yes. They, they use artificial colors because they want a consistent, even color all the time. Wow. To which my response is, has anybody looked at an apple lately? They are not one color of red. They're yeah. multiple colors. Like nature yes. is not a solid single color. Mm -mm. But, but leaving that aside, they have started using more food-based colors because they've realized that consumers want it. And that's the most important part. When we vote with our wallet, yes, food producers will change. Yes. Because again, they're in the business of making money. If you're not mm -hmm. buying their food, they're not making money. Oh, yes. Let's let that sink in. That's the power we have. Absolutely. There's, we really are so powerful with what we go and spend our money on. Are we supporting companies that are manipulating us and, and don't care about our health? Or are we actually going to support companies that are doing it right, that aren't putting toxins in their food? I mean, it's, it's a simple choice, but- it's so complicated yeah. for so many moms because you go to the store and you look at this healthy granola, right? Protein, whole grains, fiber, right? Low fat. Ugh. Yeah, the low fat part's really terrible. Don't do I that. Know, like, Please no, don't do that to anybody, but especially not to kids. Oh, they need that fat to grow. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So let's, let's go into... You know, what are kind of the things that are some really simple things that moms can look at, you know, if it or just kind of like trigger words for you, mm -hmm. is it, if, if it says this or this or this, and obviously we got to turn around and look at the ingredients no matter what. So can you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Can you arm our moms so we can be a little bit more aware at the grocery store about what we're going to put into our cart? Absolutely. You know, so there are a couple of things that I think are really easy. And then we start getting into things that start requiring a little more thinking about. So I encourage you start with the things that are easy for you. Master that before you move on. Don't try to do everything all at once because I give you about two days and then you're gonna be like, whatever. You're too overwhelmed. Um, and then you don't do anything. Exactly. Maybe exactly. Step. Right. Yeah. So the artificial colors is definitely an easy one. Another one that I absolutely love is anytime, and this is always at the bottom of the ingredient panel, because there's not much in there, but you don't need much to have a negative impact, is all those things that are just a bunch of capital letters, EDTH, TBHQ, BP, or sorry, not BPA, that's not in it's in the packaging, but it's not actually in the food. They don't yes, have I'm with you on that. Um, BHA, BHT, all those things, those capital letter combinations, those are shorthand for things like butylated hydroxyanisole. That's too many letters for them to put on the letter. So they shrink it down to BHA, which is chemical designation, and put it on the label. So anytime you see those on the bottom of the label, just put it back. You, you really don't need it. And there, the beautiful thing is there are options. So one thing I encourage people to do, if you see, let's go back to your pickles, for example. Yeah. So pickles, like who knew that they had color? Like you look at a pickle and you think, what? There's there's yellow and, and green in there? Yeah. Aren't pickles naturally this color? And right. it's not when they're done processing them, they're not. However, 
don't try to look at like all of the foods, just pick a few things. So look at pickles. I usually encourage people go to the international food section because a lot of those pickles don't tend to have that. Mm. And you just flip it around until you find one that you like. Yes. And, and the goal as moms, part of the channel, like I will share, I remember when I was first on this mission, oh my gosh, I was in the grocery store with my youngest daughter and she was a fan of a particular kind of juice and I wasn't going to buy it anymore because it had high fructose corn syrup in it and sugars mm-hmm. are the next thing we're going to talk about. Uh, and, and so she's sitting there and granted in hindsight, I probably should have had that conversation at home. <laughs> we had it in the middle of the grocery store with everybody watching us. And she's like, I want my juice. And I'm like, it has high fructose corn syrup. I'm not buying it. Like we just really got into it at the grocery store. And <laughs> And eventually I convinced her that if she would try it, I would buy her a treat just for trying it. I love it. You got to use some leverage when you, I mean, when you have to. I know. And then it turned out that she actually liked the new juice better. Um, but she was so fixated on that brand. Yeah. You know? And so part of it is also trying to make those lateral shifts. So if your family is a huge fan of dill pickles, don't bring home sweet gherkins because they're not going right. to love you for it. Yeah. I mean, try and find like for like and make small lateral changes. Mm, I love that. And just ending on pickles before we leave, Bubby's pickles. Yeah. I love Bubby's because they're lacto fermented. They're so good for you. Yes. Most people think, oh, pickles are good for me. I'm like, if it's made with vinegar and it's on a store shelf, it's not good for you. You got to get in the refrigerated section and Bubby's is where it's at. Okay. I love Bubby's. I love it. I love it. Okay. Are we going to shift to sugar now? Yeah, we're going to shift to sugar. So sugar is another thing that unfortunately is really overwhelming. And once you start looking at the label, you're like, oh my goodness. So part of the challenge is we are biologically programmed to seek out sugar. We just are. Back when there wasn't a lot of sugar, it was quick energy. It was good for us. And so we, we looked for it. We were designed, however, to seek out sugar in a time of sugar famine, if you will. We now live in an overloaded sugar feast. It's mm. everywhere. Food producers put it in things that you wouldn't believe have sugar in it because they know that when we taste that sweetness, we're going to automatically think that it tastes better. So it's in things like crackers and pasta sauce and other things like that. So you have to flip it over and look at the, at the label. But the biggest problem is they realize that consumers are getting a little more savvy. So they don't just put sugar in there anymore. Now they start putting four or five or six different kinds of sugar. So then you have to look for anything that says it's a syrup, rice bran syrup, malt syrup. Um, They also put in maple syrup. They put in honey. So you'll see sugar and honey and, you know, something else. Agave. Agave. Yeah. And anything with OSC, right? OSC on the end. Yes. And. Okay. So here's the problem. There's one sweetener that is now on the market that sort of violates the OSE is just a sugar rule. Oh, it's, it's called allulose. I've heard about that. Yes. And so allulose is a sweetener. It's a sweet element that's found in things like raisins and wheat and stuff like that, but in very, very tiny amounts, they've figured out how to make it commercially. Mm -hmm. And the problem is it, it does not act the same way in the gut as regular OSE sugars. 
Oh. So the government has said that it does not need to be classified as a sugar on the label. It does not need to count towards the sugar grams. But here's the problem. As someone who focuses on gut health and chemical cleanup, I have too many clients who have horrible problems with allulose. They've had bloating. They've had digestive changes. They have had stomach upset. Like it's not a good sweetener. Wow. That's so interesting because that, but that's, that's kind of the manipulation of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well now this is another uh, chemical that we can use that makes things sweet, but it's not sugar and now use it. And you're like, right. Oh, it's from right. a natural source. We mm-hmm. just figured out how to make it in a lab. And in a way it kind of goes back to, you were talking about the, the agave. Yeah. Agave is actually not a great choice Mm-mm. because it actually has more fructose than high fructose corn syrup. So high fructose corn syrup is approximately 55% fructose by volume. Agave is 70% fructose by volume. And, and the problem is the way the, you know, the Native Americans, the, the ancient indigenous cultures used agave to make a sweetener, very different from the way we do it now. Oh, I bet. And so it's not healthy, but because it's a low glycemic sweetener, a lot of people are going crazy. They're like, oh, it's not going to affect my blood sugar, but it's not great for your liver. Your liver is the only organ in your body that can process fructose. So when you consume excessive amounts of fructose, it saves it for later by putting it into adipose or fatty tissue and it can overwhelm your liver. You can actually get something called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. It's kind That's of what like, people drink a lot of soda get that. Yes, because yeah. they're getting a lot of fructose from, mm-hmm. from the corn syrup. And there's one more source of fructose that most people don't know about because they don't clearly identify it on the label or they don't think the, la- the name on the label is very misleading. It's called crystalline fructose. Oh. And so again, the name is misleading. Crystalline crystals. Okay, we got that fructose, fruit sugar. Okay, like it's not that bad, right? No, essentially in very simplistic terms, it is dehydrated high fructose corn syrup and it is 90% fructose by volume. (gasps) I know. It's found in energy drinks. It's found in those serve yourself yogurt, frozen yogurt bar things. It's found in there. Like it's found in a number of different things and it's really bad for us. It's a lot, a lot of sugar. And the body goes through it really, really quickly. So it's not good for our metabolism. Wow. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's just like a matrix. We're trying to just work our way out of this. So, and so, so here's where, here's one of the things that I love to encourage moms though. Okay. The good news is yes. Food producers have, have helped us misguided us to over sugar our kids. Like it it happens just So now what we want to do is we want to move forward. The good news is you can actually reset your sugar palate by backing things down a little bit at a time. You can reset your sugar palate. Because think about it. If there's sugar in your pasta sauce and in your salad dressing Mm -hmm. and in, you know, the other things that you're eating, how sweet does dessert have to be in order to be classified in our brains as a dessert? Yeah. So if we begin to look for those options that have less sugar in them and we back it down a little bit, we can start backing down the recipes as well, you know, and the, the treats that we're offering because our palate will actually change. 
Oh, see, that's so hopeful. We can do it. Everyone, we can do this. We can really start to decrease our sugar consumption. And what's beautiful is start looking in the foods that are savory. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. I was at the store looking for salsa for my son. He loves salsa. And, and every, and I was at, I was at a safe when we were at our cabin. Anyway, I was looking every single one had added sugar in it. So I didn't buy it. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to buy it. He's already getting tons of sugar. He doesn't need it in a salsa. And that's where sometimes you also look at what are the things that you maybe need to start making until you find a good solution. Yes. And so there are sometimes you can do things like if you buy, you know, tomatoes and you chop them up and then you can find like there's, and I don't remember the brand off the top of my head, but there's this wonderful, it, it's a chopped peppers oh. with, with some seasoning in them. And you mix that with chopped tomatoes and a little bit of cumin and maybe a pinch of chili if you like it spicy. And you've got your own salsa right there. It mm. takes five minutes to put it together. Most of the time is washing and chopping the tomato. That's um, amazing. You know, and so looking for some of those simple things, if what's available in the store is not great. For example, at holiday time every year, and we're headed into that season right now. Yes, we are. One of the things that drives me absolutely crazy, whipped cream used to be just cream, heavy cream. Now right. it's got carrageenan in it. It's mm. got polysorbate something in it. It's yeah. got, you know, guar gum and all these other things. And those gums are not necessarily bad by themselves, but too much of them is not good for you. Carrageenan, definitely not good. Anything with a number, definitely not good. And last year I had to go to, I kid you not, four different grocery stores before I found a whipping cream that was just cream. And, and, and I'm just going to say Whole Foods was not one of those stores. Oh my gosh. Shame on Whole Foods. All of their cream was, had something in it. And my husband's wow. looking at, cause he's helping me do the holiday grocery shop. And he's like, why do they put that in there? I'm like, cause it's easier for them. But like, he was getting mad, which made me happy. Cause it I love that. <laughs> it's beautiful and such a and such an amazing example like when you just start to live this way and you start to just stand in this you don't have to tell everyone like people just start to like oh that's interesting they because when they start to see you shift and change and they see you get healthier like they want some of that yes yes well and in in the beginning I'm not gonna lie in the beginning my husband was like hey, whatever you know yeah. but I would just I'm you can probably obviously tell I'm, I'm a little verbose. (laughs) I would just keep talking to him all the time. And then I wrote the book and then I just kept talking. And then even now, you know, I find things I'm like, Oh my gosh, you won't believe what they're doing now. And, and he has learned and he, but he appreciates it because he also realizes that there is a huge difference to be had when we're able to make that shift and actually consume things that provide nutrition for our body. Cause it's not just about feeding ourselves. It's about nourishing ourselves and our family. And when we have things that have no nutritive value in our food, our body's got to process that. Yes. And it doesn't even have the nutrients to process it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what we, that, that, that's like what really breaks my heart is I know feeding kids all the time, day in day out is exhausting. Yeah. You know, and I get why people eat convenient food. Sometimes I, that's all I want to do. Gosh, if I had a microwave TV dinner, like I don't have to cook, cook, but I don't, that's not an option for me, but it's, I get it. 
but it's really about making these small little shifts and just start to say, how can I get more nutrients in my food? And a good way to do that is buying real whole food and not food that is a list of just different ingredients. Well, and, and the other thing that I love about it is, you know, yes, sometimes we need convenience foods in our home. Yeah. Like we're busy. We're going a lot of different directions. Lots of things are going on, but if we can make those the healthiest that we possibly can, we can throw together a meal very quickly without having, just because it's in a package doesn't mean that it has to be less than healthy options for us. There's so many amazing options now. Yes. There really is. I mean, and and that's another beautiful reflection of how we are voting and how we are shifting the way that we buy food. So, um, you know, it's just another symptom of us really voting for what we want. And, and actually that comes back to what we were just talking about with the front of package labeling. So I don't know if you remember, but a long time ago when high fructose corn syrup first started getting a lot of attention and people were saying, oh, I don't want anything with high fructose corn syrup. It's bad for you the Corn Refiners Association ran these commercials that would say things like, hey, want a popsicle? Oh no, thank you, it has high fructose corn syrup. And the, you know, the other person would go, well, what's wrong with high fructose corn syrup? And the person who was supposedly against it would go, uh, like they, you know, we now know it's really bad for you. Like it's not good for your liver, causes weight gain, can lead to diabetes and all kinds of other things. So now all these years later, we have food producers who on the front of the package, in good size lettering will say no HFCS. But in the beginning, everybody was pushing like HFCS isn't so bad for you a little bit, won't kill you. But we know that again, it's how much are you getting? First of all, it is bad for you, but then it's also how much are you getting? All those things add up and it doesn't have to be in the food. I promise you 200 years ago, our great, great, great grandparents were not eating foods made with high fructose corn syrup and somehow they survived to grow up and get married and make babies and keep moving forward. Like it's not a requirement. No, no, it's not. And it really is in so much food. Mm -hmm. It really is. But that's a, but you know, what if we were to just stop buying things with that in it, with high fruit? I mean, that would be pivotal. Just something like that would be incredible. That's absolutely huge. And again, that's where making those little changes makes a big difference. You know, one of the other big changes that I've seen over the years, when I was, when I was raising my kids many decades ago, cause they're all grown and working on grandchildren now. Um, but it, yeah, it's great. Um, but when I was raising my kids, we didn't realize until I began to walk down this path that the milk that we were drinking cows were being given artificial hormone to Mm. make them make more milk, which a is not good for the cow. Oh my, Um, Oh, that makes me so sad. I know. So it's it's terrible. And then it's also not good for the people who are drinking that milk. Oh no. There are now studies that show that the hormones are called RBST and RBGH. And they not only make the cow give more milk, it doesn't go away when you milk the cow or when you make dairy products out of that milk. And so the humans who are eating it, there are some studies that seem to indicate that this may be part of why little girls are getting their periods earlier and earlier because they're getting all this added hormone. They also discovered that it causes insulin growth factor one to go up, which is linked to cancer and all kinds of other things. 
So you start looking for milk that doesn't have these hormones in it. And back then the biggest option was to do organic milk. Well, the difference between conventional milk and organic milk back when my kids were, were little was like $5 a gallon. It's a lot. It was a lot. My husband was not happy because we were going through two gallons of milk a week. And, and I was just like, no, this is so important. We have, because I had all girls, we have all girls, like they can't have this. And, but now organic milk, the, the differential is usually somewhere under $2 a gallon between conventional and organic. However, having said that you also now have a lot of producers that have committed to only using milk from cows, not treated with recombinant bovine somatropin or recombinant bovine growth hormone. And so you can look for that little label and it tells you this is, this product is made from cows not treated with artificial hormone. But back then it was a huge fight to find that. And as more people began to do it, the food producers realized that this was a real thing that people really cared. It wasn't just a fad. It wasn't gonna go away in mm-hmm. six to 12 months. And, and now there are some out there that are still doing it. They'll always do that. Yeah. But there are others out there who are going to respond to those mamas who are like, no, this is not enough. I need better for my family. Yes. Well, and staying on milk, which is, that is so fascinating. Not only hormones, which the there it's in the cow's milk and it goes into, you know, if we drink it, it's going to, our body has to metabolize that. Yes. But what about antibiotics? Oh yeah. That's another huge one. So antibiotics, here's a really weird fact for you. Okay. 70% of all antibiotics sold in the United States are not actually given to people. (sighs) They're given to animals. They're, they're given to cows and farm animals and that kind of thing. So part of the reason that they're given is because the animals are raised in confined feedlot operations. And so they need to make sure that they don't get sick because when they're raised that closely together, disease can spread pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and it makes them gain weight, right? It makes them gain weight. Yes, it does. It brings them to market faster. Yes. And that's interesting to really like think about. Right. Because here's the thing. If you can make a cow get fat faster, that cow becomes profitable faster. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter to that particular producer that the quality of what they're producing is less Mm -hmm. a typical cow raised grass-fed grass finished free roaming on pasture takes about two years to come to market weight wow and they're supposed to be able to nurse off their mamas and just run around in the grass and be happy cows yeah happy cows if you raise them in confined feeding operations they are going and you're giving them antibiotics they're going to come to weight faster but they're not going to mature the same way. So the meat is not as good quality. One, because it was raised in a confined feedlot operation. Two, because the cow basically got to wait faster. It didn't grow up to wait. It was forced to wait. And then the other thing that happens is they have to give them antibiotics because of the disease mm. vector. Believe it or not, that has been repeatedly linked to increased risk for antibiotic resistant disease. Cause if it's in the cow and you eat it, you're getting it. Yes. It's going right into your gut. I know it's going into our bodies. It's changing our microbiome. Oh. It's creating all kinds of health issues. Wow. But then the other thing is going back to the dairy cows, you force a cow to give more milk than it was designed by nature to give. She's going to get mastitis. 
She's some of them, their, their udders become so swollen, they drag on the ground. And so then they get infections. And so they have to give them antibiotics because obviously we don't want the cow to be in pain, right? Like it's just not good for them. So unnatural. And that's where choosing organic at least is better. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't mean that every single organic cow is running around on, you know, lots of acreage. Right. Doesn't mean they're happy. Right. Conventional organic dairy is raised, meaning that they have to have so much time on pasture. They have to have no antibiotics, no GMO laden feed, no pesticides in their food, you know, no added hormone, like those kinds of things. So that is better quality. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so in my, in my world as the ingredient guru, I identify things as good, better, best, you know, so organic is definitely better. That's not best. Best is buying it from a farmer that you yes. know whose from cows your, actually like wander around and from your local in. farmer. You yes. can do that. Yes, you yes. absolutely can. Oh. Well, uh, some states, I believe, you can't. Okay. There, yeah, there, there are, are some states, states you can't get raw milk. It's not allowed. Yeah, yeah. But for those states that do allow it, like that's a great option. Yeah. Well, and you can always just check with your local farmer. Yes. You know, that's another thing is just get in contact with your local farmer and find out and you go to uh, localharvest.org. I love that. Site. Yes, local harvest is great. The other thing that's a really good resource for people is the Weston Price Foundation. Oh, I love that. Yes. Because they have so many resources for people to be able to connect with those people who are producing your food, the, the farmers who are growing it, the, you know, the dairy farmers who are raising it, whatever, like you can, you can definitely connect that way as well. Plus you also, then once you start doing that, like you discover most people connect with a farmer because they're looking for, I want to buy a half a cow, or I want to buy milk, or I want to buy eggs or whatever. Most farmers don't just grow one thing. That's not very sustainable for farm. That's only for these monolithic monocropped farms. So once you start connecting with your smaller local farmer, they're like, oh, hey, we've got chickens or we've got ducks or we've got these other things. And then you wind up having a closer food source that provides a number of things that you're looking for. I love that. And it's so much more sustainable than these monolithic, like huge dairy farmers that are literally just polluting the earth and the food that you eat. Like there's just no good that comes out of it. And the animals are unhappy and being tortured. And it's just like, we need to stop you know, voting for that. And, and one other really important thing to think about too, is if we are going, so one local farmer can support, I don't know how many families, you know, I mean, obviously the the farmer needs a job and the people need food. And so it's a good mix and and it's helpful, but the farmer can only go so far. So guess what? That means potentially being able to help support more farmers because not everybody is going to all go to the same farmer. And when you, when you can buy from your local farmer, like I love going to my farmer's market because those people all come to one place, the food miles that it takes to get the food to my plate, not very much because those farmers are driving so many miles to get to the farmer's market. And then I'm driving two miles home. (laughs) Um, that when you buy food somewhere else, and let's be honest, I buy food at the grocery store just like everybody else. Of course. But I also know that the vast majority of items in the grocery store, the average food mileage is about 1,500 miles to get it to your place. That's crazy. 
Well, think about where it's got to come from. Yeah. If it's, if it's food that is not from your area, there's something that doesn't grow where you live. It's got to get there somehow. Yeah. And we, and, and that's an average of 1500, part of which includes the fact that we import globally now. So some things are coming from close, but some things are coming from really far away. Some people, something, some food is coming from China, like honey and garlic and things like that. And it's, it's just, it's crazy. I, anything that says made in China, I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> well, and, and part of the challenge too, is unfortunately when we are doing that, when we're purchasing those things, mm-hmm. It means that we're not helping our local food infrastructure. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's important. And, and here's the thing. I know, like, I don't even think if you moved to, a, I was about to say, if you lived on a farm in Montana, but even, I think even if you lived on a farm in Montana, I think at this point, our modern lives have changed so much that it's not really possible for you to have everything that you need right at hand within like a 20 mile radius. Like, it's just very difficult, especially for those people. I don't drink it, but for those people who like coffee, that's a problem. Right. Um, Yeah, totally. I'm one of those. (laughs) But, but the more we can do, you know, so for example, I recently went to the farmer's market and they had end of season. So I live in Texas. They had end of season peaches from Austin. I was able to buy a bushel of end of season peaches and, you know, turn them into things for my family. But it was great because they were there and there was a dairy farmer there and they're not a dairy farmer, sorry, beef farmer. I don't know why I said dairy. And there was a honey producer there. And there were several farmers that had vegetables. Like there were a lot of resources. And so for a lot of people, I feel like that is one of the best ways in season, because there is there is an out of season for there is markets. yeah. But in season, like if you can go there, first of all, what you're getting is fresher because it's picked right before they're ready to sell it. Yes. It has peak nutrition, mm-hmm. and you're also helping to reduce the environmental impact of what you're eating. Yes, and it's so delicious. And and another thing is you eat seasonally, which yes. our bodies love that they, it, our guts love diversity and eating new things and different things. And I, that's my happy place. The farmer's market is my happy place. It's the Saturday morning. I don't even take my kids. Cause I'm like, this is my time. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to buy whatever I want. I'm going to take as long or as short as I, it's, it's just my happy place. And I don't know about you, Mira, but isn't it amazing to like meet people and like you know, know their story and where your food's coming from. And like, you can just feel the love in the produce or the products that they're bringing because it's, that's what they do. Absolutely. And so that brings up another really important point about farmer's markets. I will be the first to admit that the vast majority of what's at a farmer's market is not organic. And the reason for that is a lot of people don't understand what it takes for a farm to become certified as organic. They have to go through three years of growing that way without being able to sell that way. They have to pass all kinds of inspections. It costs them a lot of money. And then they have to be recertified every single year. It costs a lot. And that's part of why the organic barrier is so high. 
So what we're looking for at farmers markets is to have conversations with the farmers and to look for those farmers who are growing sustainably or regeneratively to support the land and talk to them about what they're doing. Yes. You know? And, yes. and I will tell you, I have met very few of them who are using anything that I wouldn't use. Like I had one that I remember talking to at one point and he said, at the end of every season, we do have a, um, it wasn't Roundup, it's something else. We have some sort of a spray that we put on everything to keep the weeds down so we can plant a cover crop for the next year. And he's like, but during the season we use nothing, you know? And, but the majority of them, they're like, nope, we don't use anything. Our chickens are running around in the yard. We have taught them how to come home and lay eggs so we don't have to go looking for them. Or, you know, they're talking about their, their, the feed that they're giving their animals or how they're growing their vegetables in, you know, succession things with like compost tea. As a matter of fact, the last time I was at the farmer's market, I had this amazing conversation with this woman who was selling sprouts because I do some sprouting at home. And she was explaining to me some of the things that she does to help her sprouts grow better. And I'm like, this is amazing. Of course, she had way more sprouts than I grow. I just grow a couple different kinds and she had like 12. Um, but you know, you're right. You have these conversations with them. You learn so much, you connect and you're, I feel like the food has almost more, more infused into it. Cause the person who's growing it really cares about it. Yes. It, it, it's love. There is love in the food. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, uh, I, Mira, this is so fun. I, I really, we can talk about this forever. I really, <laughs> you know, this is the thing, my friends, like in order for us to raise the next generation, we were talking about this earlier, like it's a lot of responsibility for moms and it can feel overwhelming, but so beautifully Mira created basically the label reading Bible called the pantry principle. I'm showing this here. My light's kind of bright. Um, it's incredible. Like it really, what I love about it, Mira, is you go through everything. Like this is, this is what it is. And this is why see a lot of people are like, well, high fructose corn is bad for you. That doesn't really do anything. If you know that if that's going to give you non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, mm, I might want to stay away from it a little bit more, Yeah, you know, and that, and that's, I think sometimes we just need the fuel and the simple tips, like your seven, uh, grocery shopping tips. You know, well, it's like, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and one of the other things to keep in mind is a lot of the things that are in food, you know, That's children are not just miniature adults. Their metabolisms grow up differently. Their bodies process differently. They actually have more of an impact from a lot of the things that are potentially in their food or their environment than adults yes. do on a pound for pound basis. And so the more we can do to clean up mm. how we are feeding and nourishing and supporting our babies, the better they will do. They will. And, and one of my favorite uh, sayings is it is so much easier to parent a healthy child. Yeah, it is mama's like all of this pays off in dividends and you'll get to be a grandmother. And that's a, that's one of the scariest things for me is like how quickly our kids and, and even teenagers now, because of all these environmental toxins are not going to be able to procreate, mm -hmm. you know, the sperm count is going down more and more women are having fertility issues. It's like, we need to wake up 
the human race, like it's counting on us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think the other thing too, is you hit on such an important point. It's easier to parent a healthy child than a sick child. And that's on so many levels. It's, it's mental, physical, emotional, financial, it all adds up. It does. And one of the things that I've realized on my journey, I'm curious if you've seen this too, is the healthier that I've become, the more energy, the more productive, the more clear, you know, the more I'm able to truly create value and resources. So it's well, like, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you well, go I was ahead. just going to say, so when you invest in you, which is investing in your food, it will pay off again in dividends. Absolutely. And you know, the funny thing is when people meet me, they sometimes when they either read my book or they hear my story or whatever, they kind of look at me and they, they sort of shake their head. They're like, really? Like, cause I literally could not walk up a flight of stairs. I, even if I was going to bed, I had to lie down. I could not raise my arms over my head without feeling like this, this frisson of, of fatigue and dizziness wash over me. I was living 20 hours a day on the sofa. And, and now I'm like, yay, like I live my life and I am here and, and I'm not the only one. I know other people who have done that, either people that I have helped or other people who have had similar Mm -hmm. journeys. When you're so right, when we clean up our diet, our body has the resources that it needs to function the way that it's supposed to, so that we can live the life that we're meant to be living. We are meant to be we're divine. Like we're meant to have these life, lights full of energy and joy and, you know, and, and being spontaneous and being able to just live. But in, and for some Mira, and I know, cause I was, I was really sick, not as sick as you, not that we're comparing, but I, I now, because I know what health wasn't mm-hmm. like now, I really am so grateful for my health. Like when I wake up with energy and I feel good and I sleep well, like, I'm like, this is it. And don't you want that for everybody? Absolutely. Of course. And and that's why I get really mad at all the stupid stuff that producers do to our food because Mm. it's not helping anybody. No, it's not. And it should be criminal. And I hope eventually it will be. But the only thing we can do is change it from the ground up, like we were saying earlier, because we're not going to change the food companies. We're not going to change big pharma. We're not going to change the government. We're not going to change this whole crazy thing that's going on right now. We're going to change by what we do in our homes. That's right. We're going to take it back one kitchen at a time. That's right, sister. Oh, I got chills. (laughs) All right. So um, before we wrap it up, one, I want to make sure that everyone can get their copy of the Pantry Principle. I'm going to put that link in the show notes. And then you have a webinar coming up. I do. Yeah, let's share share that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I believe is really important, given everything that's been going on lately, we seem to be having more emergencies, forest fires and floods and hurricanes Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things. And so I am having a webinar called 10 Tips for Emergency Preparedness. We're going to talk a little bit about some food tips in there as well, but this is just for families in general to have some ideas of things that they can do because the best time to prepare for an emergency is before there is one. And so on December 9th, it's free webinar. Anybody can come. If you sign up for it, you'll get the replay if you can't make it, but it's, it's really important to be there. 
Well, uh, we, we need that because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I know as a mom, you just want to, it, it all, it just gives you that peace of mind. Absolutely. Yeah. We all could use that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mira, thank you so much. I am, I'm just so, so blessed. And all of our listeners are that you came to share your insight. And you know, what I've realized is, you know, we talk a lot about clean, clean eating and clean living here on this podcast. But you know what I've realized is that sometimes it's just the way that someone says it, you know, that can just kind of sink in and shift. And I feel that that has happened so much today. I really do. And not only that, but if people do have questions and they really want to dive in, they can get your book. Like it is, it's truly something that you can refer back to over and over and over again. It's meant to be a resource. It's not, it's not to sit down, read it once and you're done with it. This is right. Keep coming back, learn more. And like I said, I really, really want to encourage everyone who's listening one step at a time. This is not a race to the finish. Mm -hmm. This is about making mindful, sustainable changes one little bit at a time. Yes. And we, and we get that because when you have kids and they're used to eating things, I love it. I loved your, you know, little lateral shifts, like find something that's similar, but just a better option. And then you can go further. I always love using the example, like white bread, then you went whole wheat, right? And then you went sourdough and then you went gluten-free and then you're like, I don't need bread anymore. Exactly. That's such a great progression. (laughs) But but it's okay. And those are the little changes. And like you said, it is, it's a journey and there's nowhere to go. We're just trying to do better than we did before the day before. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, everyone. Well, um, Mira, thank you again. I just, I would love to have you back because I feel like there's so much more that we can just talk about. I would love to. Thanks so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. Oh, I feel the same way. This is, I just love it. All right, everyone. We will catch you on the next Tippy Moms podcast. Bye. And before you go, please subscribe, maybe write me a little review. I would so appreciate that. And don't forget, uh, go to the show notes, um, find out more about her Mira's prepared pantry masterclass. Okay. Super affordable. You're going to learn so many incredible things on how to actually nourish your family, uh, in a budget friendly way. Okay. Um, let me tell you, that's going to really take a lot of the insanity around food out of your life and that's what we want Um, and then you can also grab her pantry principal book below so thanks for being here i love you and i'll catch you on the next podcast bye